Things Not Seen is made possible in part through the generosity of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, please go to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notseenradio. Thank you. From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and Sandberg Media, LLC, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. On today's show, a conversation with actor and director Kurt Cloninger. Coming out from one of the stacks, I saw this fellow who bore a remarkable resemblance to a picture of John Calvin. <laughs> Strangely enough, this man was striding arm in arm with another man who looked just like John Wesley. And I thought, my goodness, this is heaven. They've reconciled. We'll start the conversation in a moment. Stay tuned. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is writer, actor, director, and monologist Kurt Cloninger. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Theater from Abilene Christian University and received further acting training at Pacific Conservatory. For more than 30 years, he's made his living as a traveling performer. Much of his work has been in the form of one-person shows, monologues with specifically Christian themes. As he puts it, he's performed in some unlikely places— in the Georgia Dome for 30,000 people, standing on top of a stool in the commons at UC Berkeley, and in every imaginable theater and church setting. I first saw Kurt perform on video in the late 1990s, an hour of character sketches called Witnesses, which consists of a series of monologues of a variety of imagined friends and acquaintances who knew and interacted with Jesus Christ during his lifetime. As a person new to the Christian faith at the time, that video had a strong impact on me. That performance, and much of Kurt's other work, is available through his website, kurtkloninger.com, and of course, live and in person. Kurt Kloninger, I'm so glad you can be with us today. Welcome to Things Not Seen. Well, thanks. I am uh, I'm excited to get to visit. Well, you've been both a creative artist and a business person at the same time, and I'd like to start out by asking you about that balance. Uh, what has it been like for the past three decades to have to balance both being the creative side and the business side of your own kind of one-man shop? And has one ever won out over the other? Or do they, do they in some way kind of complement one another? I suppose they complement one another. I have told people somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but probably more realistically, that I have made a living doing this uh, totally in spite of myself. Uh, because I'm, I'm really not a great businessman. Uh, I used to think of myself as an entrepreneur, but I, I'm not. Um, I've sort of found one thing that I, I think God's gifted me to do, and I've kind of kept doing it over and over again for many years. So, um, the business side of it, I'm sure there's, there's lots of things I could do better. Thank God for word of mouth, because the word of mouth people seeing me and you know rec- recommended me to others that's that's sort of that sort of kept me alive for the last 30 years but uh it um you know there is somewhat of a of, of a tension I, like like any actor I love to get applause and I love folks to know what I do uh 
but I'm sort of a borderline introvert, so I don't like plugging myself all that often. Uh, but I do like other people to do it. Well, I'm, in- I'm interested in, in your characterization of yourself as a borderline introvert. I think people might find that surprising. Um, so what you're telling me is that is that you're, you're a person who feels sort of uh, turned into yourself, but you, you get up on stage. How can you do that if you're an introvert? How can you get up on stage in front of so many people? Well, my wife would dispute that I'm an introvert. If you work on the theory that introvert-extrovert scale, that you are whatever fuels you when you're alone, I mean, I generally get fueled by being off by myself and, you know, taking a good long hike or reading by myself. Or I love people and I love to be around people, but uh, when I go to a party, um, I much would prefer to sit in the corner and find one person to talk to. Uh, so, and, and when I get up in front of people, I mean, I, I love getting up in front of people, but I'm not the life of the party. You know, I, I, I kind of feel like getting up in front of people is my job Mm. and, uh, and I'm thankful that I get to do it. Uh, now my wife would dispute that. My wife truly is an introvert and, uh, I think nobody would, would argue with that. So she, she, when I say I'm an introvert, she just sort of rolls her eyes. But I, I think I am. <laughs> You're listening to Things Not Seen, conversations about culture and faith. If you're just joining us, our guest today is actor, writer, and director Kurt Cloninger. For more than 30 years, he's been performing one-man Christian theater all over the world. We're discussing his creative processes and his experiences as a Christian performer in a largely secular industry. Well, when somebody comes to one of your performances, uh, what can they expect to see? I mean, uh, what what is the sort of standard uh, Kurt Cloninger performance, if you could describe that for us? Well, I like to hopefully give people a different perspective on either something they already believe or on an idea that they, they may think they know about, but they, they haven't really fully experienced. Um, a lot of my shows are about Jesus, sort of a, a gritty look at Jesus, like my Witnesses show. They help people see Jesus, hopefully, from sort of a different perspective. I'm real hesitant to, to write or perform things that basically you could, you could get just from reading the text. I like to kind of get behind the scenes a little bit. So I think, you know, when people come to one of my shows, they uh, a common a common uh, statement afterwards is, you know, I never thought about it like that before, or I, I never I never saw Jesus in quite that way before, or so, like you know, one of my shows is a real funny show about weird ideas that we often have about God, and uh, uh, people say, yeah, you know, I I never I never thought about that before, uh, but hopefully they're done in such a way that they're palatable for folks because they're they're entertaining. Well, and, and so to sort of stay with that, uh, when you are looking at performance, who are some of the performers that inspire you and have inspired you through the years? I I love a good storyteller. I mean, I, I love Garrison Keillor, well, especially in his younger days. A good friend of mine named Ted Swartz, who does some solo work and some, some uh, uh, duet work, and he's just a great writer and great storyteller, and he looks at things from a from a Christian perspective. 
I like a variety of actors, but I tend to like character actors of Robert Duvall and Edward Norton, uh, folks who who are not typical leading men kind of kind of characters. Storytellers like uh, oh, like Kyam Potok uh, or Wendell Berry or Frederick Beekner, Walt Wangren, folks who really put flesh on biblical concepts. I really like those kind of guys. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen, conversations about culture and faith. We're talking today with actor and director Kurt Cloninger. If you're interested in his work, you can find out more at his website, kurtcloninger.com, and of course at our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. Cloninger has been performing for more than 30 years throughout the nation. Are you a lifelong person of faith, or did you come to faith at some point after childhood? Um, I grew up in a in a really strong Christian home. Um, I grew up in a fairly uh, legalistic denomination, but with parents who were very grace filled, and so it was sort of a interesting tension. And when I when I got to college, I went to a Christian college. When I got to college, very fortunately, I was surrounded by people who were asking lots of great questions, which is I think one of the strong things about being in a Christian college, not necessarily the structure, but the fact that if it's a, if it's a good environment, you've got professors and, and friends around you who are not afraid to ask a lot of questions. And, uh, and that's sort of what happened to me in college. I've had a fairly confined, somewhat legalistic, Phariseeistic look at, at what Christianity was. And, and uh, I, that the props sort of began to get knocked out from under me all through college. And, uh, you know, I realized that this is not really what this is all about. So, and I, I do, I'm, I'm real concerned about, about expressing that, especially in one of my shows where I, I talk about the difference between being a poodle and being a mutt. And that, in reality, we're all mutts who are forgiven by God. My uh, tagline at the end of this monologue that I do is a redneck monologue called Bubba's Bible Made Easy. And the three points at the end of this monologue are, uh, number one, God loves mutts and loves to forgive them. So number two, it's better to admit you're a mutt than to play like you're a poodle. Because number three, only forgiven mutts get to ride shotgun in the cab of God's pickup. Now, you'd have to hear the whole monologue to really appreciate the wrap-up. But uh, I, I frankly came to the realization when I was in my college years that, yes, indeed, I am a mutt, and uh, God loves mutts. And that, that's, the sh- that's the show that deals with the misconceptions about God. Am I correct about yeah, that? Yeah, it's called God Views, yeah. Yeah, and, and like all of your shows, it, it involves uh, asking some heavy questions, but just as you've demonstrated, in the, in the standpoint of a sort of folksy delivery. Is that a fair way of characterizing your, your approach? Yeah. Um, most of my characters tend to be somewhat gritty and folksy. I've got the, the Witnesses show I do has eight characters, and uh, two or three of them are, are rednecks, and... Uh, and then I, the, the the God View show is is a is a bunch of caricatures about about misconceptions of God. It's it's loosely based on uh, an old J. B. Phillips book, which I think is out of print now, called Your God Is Too Small, uh, which was really one of the 
one of the formative books for me when I was just starting college. I, that, of course, and Mere Christianity, of course, and John Stott's uh, Basic Christianity. Those were all pretty formative books for me. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is writer and performer Kurt Cloninger. We'll be back in a moment. Things Not Seen is brought to you in part by Liturgical Press. Liturgical Press is a trusted publisher of resources on liturgy, scripture, theology, and spirituality. They've evolved to serve the changing needs of the Christian church, and they produce resources for pastoral leaders, teachers, engaged learners, and all leaders looking for quality books on faith and culture. Lit Press books are available at your favorite book retailer and online at litpress.org. That's litpress.org. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with actor, director, and playwright Kurt Cloninger. For more than three decades, Cloninger has been performing Christian-themed theater across the United States and abroad, mostly in the form of multi-character, one-man shows. Before the break, we were discussing his show, Jesus Talks, where Cloninger begins with a cold open, speaking in the character of Jesus as if he were simply a person who walked in off the street. And I, I really love, love doing that show because it's, you know, it's not me standing up trying to have a British accent and quote the King James, and it's, it's not about the acting, and it's really not about the language. It's, it's hopefully to, to, to be attracted to the personality of Jesus and, and to his words, but in such a way that it's the filter of kind of religion is removed from it. Well, and I love that approach because it, it recreates that instant of offense that it must have been like to actually hear Jesus standing up and saying these things in the synagogue. Oh, yeah. I mean, when the guy walks into the synagogue and, and picks up the Holy Scriptures and says, hey, guys, just a little hint here. Everything you're reading here is about me. I mean, I, I'm a member of a big church here in Atlanta, and, you know, if some guy walked up unannounced, uninvited, and picked up a Bible and started reading and then told everybody, hey, I'm God, you know, the bouncers would very quickly get rid of the guy. And uh, so that's sort of the, that's sort of the vibe I, I want to have with, with that show. And it's real fun to do. It's, I've done it in some, like I did it for the National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. about four or five years ago. And, uh, and it was... <laughs> It was, you know, I was dressed in jeans and a flannel shirt, and the National Prayer Breakfast is full of folks dressed in three-piece suits, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a movers and shakers kind of kind of setting, and uh, me talking as Jesus in that context with no introduction, nobody knew who I was. It was really fun because there were a lot of people who were just didn't quite know what to do with me. Have you ever gotten pushback from from audience members about the way that you present these things? Do they do they sort of feel that you're kind of being a little sacrilegious? Have you ever gotten negative feedback? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Which is which I love. I mean, the trick is hopefully people will hear them. The walls won't be up so strongly that you know they they tune out. Uh, my one of my favorite stories about that is one Sunday I had done that show in a in a fairly traditional church and, you know, finished the thing and went and stood in the back and, and, uh, next to the, 
you know, next to the pastor as people filed out and shaking their hands and so forth. And a and a, a woman came up to the to the pastor, and they, he, she was maybe five or six feet away from me. But I, she was an older woman who probably was a bit deaf because she was whispering, but she was whispering very loudly, and uh, I could hear. Her. And she leaned over to the pastor and she whispered to him, Pastor. I guess I liked that young man well enough, but I certainly didn't agree with a whole lot of what he said. And, I, and immediately I thought, bingo. You know, that, that's exactly what I'm after. Because when you hear the words of Jesus out of their, their sa- the, the, the setting that they're safely couched in, they can really, they can really be unnerving. So when, when, when I heard that, I thought, Okay, this was a good morning. You're listening to Things Not Seen, conversations about culture and faith. If you're just joining us, our guest today is actor, writer, and director Kurt Cloninger. For more than 30 years, he's been performing one-man Christian theater all over the world. We're discussing his creative processes and his experiences as a Christian performer in a largely secular industry. Well, and, and so at moments like that, and I, I'm I'm delighted that you take joy in those moments. And at moments like that, when someone has heard the words of Jesus fresh in a new way, and they're offended by them, do you feel like that helps to move them along their spiritual journeys? Do you ever, and moreover, do you ever get a chance to check back in with them later and hear how that has impacted them? Yeah, I have some. Um... I mean, I don't get to do that all the time because I'm sort of a carpet bomber. You know, I fly in and drop my bombs, and then I get on a plane and go go somewhere else. But uh, I do. I mean, I have had that opportunity, and and frankly, I mean that's just a small part of it. Because like when that sh- in in that show, especially at the end of it, I'm it's sort of a quasi communion feel because I'm handing out bread and and literally have my hands on people as I hand them bread, and I'm looking them in the eye and speaking as Jesus, uh, using mostly words out of John 14 and following. But um, some, of the, some of the encounters that I've had in those settings have been remarkable. I mean, people, you know, a, a real a connection with folks, with me speaking as Jesus, where people have been so encouraged with the words of Jesus that, and, and lots of stories, like people coming up afterwards saying, you don't know me, but my wife died three months ago, and what you said to me this morning as Jesus was unbelievably encouraging. And, you know, that kind of thing where you just go, wow, that's pretty cool. So uh, the the I mean the hope is that the the spirit of Jesus in that not the holy spirit but the spirit of of what Jesus did to people will be present in that show that will minister to folks. If you're just joining us this is things not seen conversations about culture and faith. We're talking today with actor and director Kurt Cloninger. If you're interested in his work, you can find out more at his website, kurtcloninger.com, and of course at our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. Cloninger has been performing for more than 30 years throughout the nation. Well, as I said at the top of the show, 
Witnesses was a very impactful show for me when I first encountered it. I, I first saw a video of Witnesses in the mid-1990s when I was uh, pretty much a new, a new believer. And then later, when I was a youth leader at a church, I used that as one of my teaching tools. Now, what I really like about that show is that you're providing perspectives from a real range of characters, and some of them we know from the Gospels, but others are just people from your imagination. And I'd I'd like to ask about the development of that show. What was the process that you went through as you began to put that show together? I wanted to have a, a, a look at Jesus from the perspective of folks, you know, when we, we're very fortunate and in some ways unfortunate as, as people who can read the account of the history of Jesus in the Gospels, in that when we start reading Gospels, most of us, who are at least somewhat familiar with, with the story, when we read the Gospels, I mean, we, we know the end of the story for the most part, and we kind of know what's going to happen. It's like going to a movie we've seen, you know, 20 times before. And uh, I wanted, but we forget that whoever had an encounter with Jesus, for the most part, it was the first and only time they ever had that. And they they didn't have the the benefit of being able to look back and kind of piece it all together. And so... I wanted to write something that gave that that feel of somebody who encountered Jesus but didn't get it totally. Uh, and I, you know, I think there were a lot of people who didn't get it, or who just got a little small piece of what he was saying. And so, well, like there's a one of there, there's several characters who are mentioned in the Gospels who you can identify in the Gospels. And there's several who are just rattled out of my sort of apocryphal imagination who are kind of representative types. But one, one of the characters in the show is Thomas, the apostle, after the, after the crucifixion and before the resurrection. And so I wanted to write, you know, we, a lot of times we, when we read the, the, the account from, from the final week of Jesus, we can really rush right by the the crucifixion and, and the wake and, and you know those those days where people were grieving and we get to the we get to the resurrection and Easter and that's great and, but I wanted to write a character from the perspective of someone who been to the funeral and you're sitting around day after or the day of the funeral you go to the funeral and then you sit around and a whole bunch of people bring casseroles and you sit around and you tell stories about the guy who died. There's this, there's a heaviness, but there's also a finality to it where you go, man, he was a great guy. You remember the time he did this? And with no expectation that, oh, and the next day, by the way, the guy's going to come back alive. So I wrote that character with that, with that heaviness, with no hope of anything being different, just that this guy that they really loved was dead. And now they're going to have to figure out what in the world they're going to do next. So the, the joy of the resurrection has full impact. And the, the last character in the show is Peter after the resurrection. But that wonder and joy and surprise of the resurrection has full impact because we've seen a character who didn't expect that, you know, wasn't hoping for anything else. So, so a, a lot of that show is people 
curious about something Jesus did and and that they saw or that they experienced. Hopefully, it, it helps us it helps us grab hold stronger to the you know the whole concept from John of the Word made flesh. That here's this mystery who is right in front of our eyes. We don't quite get it all. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is writer and performer Kurt Cloninger. For more than 30 years, Kurt has been performing one-man shows all over the world, taking stories from the Gospels and turning them into fresh and inviting interpretations. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, David Dalt here. You may be wondering why we take time out of the podcast to have these little minute-long breaks with the crazy music underneath. The answer is simple. We are trying to design the podcast so that it pays for itself, and so these are places where someday we will have some advertising. Now, let's say that you have been interested in getting into some sort of podcasting advertising platform where you want to promote your product. We would be a wonderful mid-market solution for you, uh, particularly if you want to reach an educated audience that really, really likes stuff about religion. Uh, So that's what this is here for. So if you would like to learn more about advertising with us, you can go to advertisecast.com or you can contact us through our website. We would love, love, love to work with you. Thank you always for listening. Okay, back to the show. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is writer and performer Kurt Cloninger. For more than 30 years, Kurt has been performing one-man shows all over the world, taking stories from the Gospels and turning them into fresh and inviting interpretations. I, I appreciate you taking a moment to talk about the process behind the, the creation of a show like Witnesses. I want to stick with that for a moment and ask you a question now about uh, some of the performance aspect of it. Because also within Witnesses, you play the character of Barabbas, the character who Jesus was, was crucified in Barabbas's place. And one of the things that occurs in that is, is you literally speaking as Barabbas saying, no, you don't understand, I'm supposed to be there in his place. And I'm, yeah. one, I'm wondering as a performer, just watching that, where do you go as a performer to find the emotion to connect with a character like Barabbas? Well, he's a he's a um, he's a pretty rough bird, and uh, I wanted to. And the account the account that I do with Barabbas is, you know, there's no. Well, I mean, maybe a maybe a gospel historian knows something that I don't know, but to my knowledge, anyway, there's no truth to the fact that Barabbas ever became a believer and a follower of Jesus. But when I was writing this, I thought, if there's ever a person in the world who could literally say, Jesus took my place, you know, who would it be? Well, duh, it would be Barabbas. 
And so I started that monologue off with that perspective. And so the emotion of that character, and I knew I wanted to make the character rough. I knew I wanted to make him somebody that even if he did become a follower of Jesus, you know, didn't all of a sudden turn into some some dude wearing a three-piece suit who works for IBM now. I wanted him to make a make him a you know still a, a rough around the edges kind of character, and the intensity of basically what the character does is he, in a very graphic first person intense way, he describes the crucifixion, and he describes his his gut feeling, and there's a lot of anger at it because Barabbas he sees the he sees these Romans crucifying this guy. And he is—he's just furious. I mean, he—he he wants to wants to kill as many Romans as he can. And so, I mean, it's a hard character to do just because it is so intense. And when I'm going there, I'm really—if if it's working, if if all cylinders are hitting, I become sort of sucked up in the story as the character and relive the events right there to where the intensity is. You know, I'm I'm seeing it in my head as a as an immediate sort of situation. So, as an actor, it's fun to go there. As a as somebody who who says, "Yeah, Jesus took my place too." I mean, that's truly what happened. It's not just a theological concept. It it really is the truth. I mean, it it certainly it certainly helps the character get intense because I believe that about myself as well. So. And hopefully that's what the character helps people see, that we all should be there. So in, in Witnesses, there's one other character that I'd like to ask about, and it's it's the Taylor character. And this yeah. character, he's characterized more as what we would call sort of a sensitive man. And I and I'm, I'm every time that I've seen that performance, I wonder kind of about the intention behind creating that character, because you can read him as simply a sensitive man, uh, who doesn't like roughness, or you can begin to read into that character as this could perhaps be uh, standing in for uh, a homosexual man, a same-sex attracted man, and I'm wondering, am I reading too much into that character? But if I'm not, sort of the intention behind placing a character like that in the midst of what we could call an evangelical performance. Yeah. When I, I mean, this is, I wrote this show a long time ago. I, I want, he's a, he's a, quick synopsis of the character. He's, he was a childhood, I mean, totally apocryphal character. He's out of my imagination. But I wanted to write a character who was somebody who encountered Jesus as, as a kid. And so the character encounters Jesus when they're both about 12 or 13 years old. And the character is, a, is uh, raised by a single mom. They're they're shuffled around to relatives. His mom is way overprotective, keeps him inside, you know, because she doesn't want to lose him. He, he says she calls me, she called me her her little jewel, and she treated me that way. And uh, so he was he was a very sensitive sensitive kid, very sensitive boy, who had no friends and was picked on uh, by the other kids in the villages where they live. And in the monologue. Uh, he's being pummeled by a bully in this village in Nazareth. And um, Jesus shows up and pulls a bully off of him and takes two or three punches from the bully and just stands there. 
and the the crowd of the crowd of 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 boys who are picking on him wind off walk you know wind up walking off by themselves and and the kid is left there with Jesus as his as his protector and they wind up becoming uh, good friends teaches him how to be a boy basically and my intention with that character was one to show wonder what Jesus would have been like as a boy. We know there's not much in the record about that. So I wanted to show that, but then I also wanted to show Jesus coming to the defense of somebody who, frankly, as an evangelical, I might be tempted to go, ooh, that makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm hinting with that character, with a guy who could very possibly be somebody who was perceived as a homosexual, or perceived as, for lack of a better description these days, as a sissy boy. And and to have Jesus coming to his defense and standing up for this guy pushes some buttons, and uh, I wanted that to happen. Now, in the last 10 or 15 years, with the, with the same-sex attraction stuff and the church being coming much more to the surface, that character has has sort of taken on a, a another a whole nother sort of layer i guess and the discussions have been a little different about that character at the last probably 10 years or so if you're just joining us our guest today is actor writer and director kurt cloninger for more than 30 years he's been performing one-man christian theater all over the world we're discussing his creative processes and his experiences as a Christian performer in a largely secular industry. When you were first getting started, when you were at Abilene College, what were you thinking when you looked ahead to your life as to what you'd be doing? Oh, I'd love to tell you that I had a 30-year plan or a five-year plan, or but I'm not one of those kind of guys. I've, I've generally, for the most part, had about a 10-minute plan. I got out of college with a communications and theater degree and really had no idea what I was going to do. And I sort of discovered it over a period of of several years where I did I did several things. I mean, I, I was a sales rep for a little while. I taught school for a year. I was a youth pastor. I led worship. I did repertory theater. I toured with a group that six of us put together and traveled around doing doing Christian stuff and uh, stuff that, that was blatantly about Jesus. And uh, during the course of all of that is when I kind of discovered my my penchant for, for writing and for doing solo performing. And uh, it, it really wasn't a lightning strike. It was just sort of a, a slow, slow realization that, hey, this seems to be what I'm good at. And... Uh, somehow or another, these doors keep keep opening. I right? just kind of walk through them, which is sort of what I've done over the last few years. I mean, I a door opens and, and I say, "Well, that looks interesting. I, let me see what that what'll happen there." Like, uh, for instance, a friend of mine who is the the president of uh, John Stott Ministries, which is now called Langham Partnership. You know, the John Stott, the the English. Uh, theologian, pastor, writer, he's written you know sixty or seventy books, and um, he came to me and and Uncle John, as he's called, uh, Uncle John was was a year, about a year away from from dying. He died, and he was I think he's ninety. But uh, 
Anyway, my friend came to me and asked me if I would write a, a, a show on John Stott. And long story short, I wound up writing a, a piece on John Stott that I performed several times for for different settings. And, you know, that's nothing I would have done except that somebody asked me to do it. And through the course of that, of course, I learned a lot about John Stott because I did a lot of research and have met lots of folks who were involved with with John Stott and got to see the the influence he's had on the world, which has been remarkable. So that was fun, you know, and that was, that was just a door I I walked through because somebody invited me. Same thing with I do a, I do a show for uh, nonprofit hospitals called Visiting Hours, and uh, somebody at Baylor Hospital in Dallas, a big hospital chain in Dallas, that's a faith based hospital, asked me if I had something, you know, that would work for hospitals, and I said, well, not really, but I could write something. So I wound up writing this. It's about a 40-minute show, and um, and I do it for hospitals. And it's basically a a show that, multiple character show, that reminds people who work in healthcare sort of why they do what they do. It's sort of an encouragement show to 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 help them find their hearts again. And that's, that's nothing I ever would have done except that a door opened and somebody asked me to do it, so... Uh, that's sort of how it's been for me for 30 years. I, I kind of just keep walking through these doors. And and that back to the, your earlier question about the tension of being a businessman and being an artist. Uh, I, if I was a businessman, I probably would have thought about trying to figure out how to plan all of that. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. If you're just joining us, our guest today is actor, writer, and director Kurt Cloninger. We'll be back in a moment. Earlier in the program, we talked about advertising, but there are ways to support things not seen even if you don't have anything to sell. I just wanted to take a moment and give a quick shout out and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Now, if you don't know what this platform is, it's a way for you to regularly give contributions that support our work every time that we release a new episode. It costs you just a little bit, like maybe the cost of a latte a month, maybe a dollar an episode, but it adds up because it aggregates with all the other people and ends up being a nice sum for us. Many of you have stepped up. We've only been doing this for a few weeks, but already the numbers are there, and I appreciate it so much. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do it very easily. Just go to patreon.com. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash notseenradio. Thank you always for listening, and thank you especially for your support. We really do appreciate it. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is writer and performer Kurt Cloninger. For more than 30 years, Kurt has been performing one-man shows all over the world, taking stories from the Gospels and turning them into fresh and inviting interpretations. Well, I'd like to ask about a more recent piece, uh, and this is a direct-to-video piece so far as I can tell. I don't know if you actually perform this live, but it's the piece I'm putting up the flag. And yeah. and I'm wondering, uh, because basically it's you just kind of talking to the camera as a flag is waving on your porch, and, and, and you're describing all of the motivations that you have for, for engaging in this ritual of putting up the flag. And I'm wondering if you could, if you could tell our listeners kind of what the motivation of that was and what, what you've hoped to accomplish with a video like that. That's sort of been an interesting story, that video. I wanted to write a piece, and it's short. It's about a three-minute piece. I wanted to write a patriotic piece that wasn't a 
a reactionary, flag-waving, my way or the highway kind of kind of piece. So I wrote this, and and it's it's basically, isn't this a great place? I'm putting up this flag because this is a place where where we can we can disagree without killing each other. We can have freedom to to disagree about things, and to to still live in the same country. And it's it's kind of a soft sell patriotic piece that's that's flag waving but not strident flag waving. And I put it up and I put it on my YouTube channel and it sort of got a life of its own. It got a whole bunch of views on YouTube and and uh, retail clothing store picked it up to send out to their their you know several million people on their email list and and the reactions I've got have been really fun to read on my YouTube channel because some of them are very conservative Republican folks who who say, yes, finally, somebody's saying something that we agree with. And then I'll get the same reaction for somebody who's very left-leaning, much more liberal, who are saying, finally, somebody's saying something about us getting along and agreeing, you know, and I'm just thinking it's the exact same piece, you know, everybody's everybody's seeing what they want to see in it, but... It uh, it's been fun to it's been fun to watch your reaction to that. Well, let's listen to a moment of that. This is an excerpt from "I'm Putting Up the Flag," a video by our guest Kurt Cloninger. I'm putting up the flag because it's Saturday, and later on maybe I'll uh, I'll invite the neighbors Charlie and Dee over, and we'll grill something, and uh, and Charlie and I will get in a good-natured argument about politics or whatever because we never agree about much of anything, Charlie and I. I'm putting up the flag, because Charlie and I can do that here. We can disagree about politics or religion or, or whatever, without either of us worrying that somebody's gonna come haul us away. And then we'll grill some burgers. Or maybe we'll go cheaper, hot dogs. Around here, almost everybody can afford a hot dog, because we're, uh, we're blessed in this country. So it sounds like you were trying to thread a needle with that to, to kind of hit a, a, a tone that didn't pull people to the left or to the right. So was that yeah. your intention going in, or was that sort of an unexpected surprise? Well, it wasn't a real obvious intention going in. I was just doing a straight-to-the-camera talking, kind of a walk-and-talk sort of piece, and uh, it took a life of its own. I mean, I don't tend to be... I'm a pretty conservative guy, but I don't tend to be very strident. And it, it sort of makes me nervous to be about, around real strident people, either left or right, uh, politically. One of my best friends and I are the total opposite politically. But I love being with this guy because he pushes my buttons and I push his buttons. And uh, I just, I'm thankful that we live in a country where you can do that. Well, let's, let's stay with that for a moment. I mean, we live in a country where there is obviously a lot of political polarization, but there's also religious polarization. And you work in an industry, the entertainment industry, that is largely perceived to be secular, and yet you are an avowedly Christian performer within an avowedly, at least by perception's sake, secular type of industry. Is that ever a tension for you? Well, yes and no. I, I'm kind of a. I have a film and uh, and TV agent here in Atlanta, where I live, and I did typical repertory theater years ago when I was a young guy, and uh, 
I tell people that ask me how to, how to, I deal with the tension of that, and frankly, I've very rarely had to make any hard decisions about either roles or stuff I'm in because of my my faith. I feel like with the solo shows that I do, the ministry in that is stuff that is blatantly about God. It, for the most part, blatantly asks questions uh, and gives answers about who I think God is. And and that's that's a ministry I'm thankful for it. My other the other side of it when I do film or TV or any of that kind of stuff that and I, I I'm speaking like I I get a lot of that I really don't but the the ministry like when I when I did repertory theater my ministry in that setting was not necessarily the material it was the relationship I had with with lots of other actors and and that was great fun for me I mean one of the, I was in a I was in a repertory company on the West Coast, and to my knowledge, anyway, there might have been some other Christians in the company, but I don't, I didn't, I don't know if there were. I was a Christian in a company of 30 other actors who were typical actors. They lived their life like they wanted to live their life, and when they found out I was a Christian, they didn't know what to do with that, because their preconceived notion about a Christian was it was somebody that was going to point their finger at them and, and tell them they were all going to hell and and so it was it was great fun being in that setting because i just got to know people i I, and i i've I've got a lot of friends who are in more typical film and theater settings and who are christians who navigate that world fairly fairly well i mean it's just like being a christian in any other industry you want to do good work and you want to do it for the glory of god but it might not be blatantly about god I hope I I can do good work, whether my material is blatantly about Jesus or not. And of course, there's stuff I'm not going to do. There's there's uh, if I, I would not do a show that uh, is contradictory to my worldview. If the show doesn't speak truth, I don't mind doing a character who's bad character. But if the badness is the only thing that gets glorified, I, I'm not interested. Well, Kirk Cloninger, I've been a fan for a number of years, and I'm really honored to speak to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time, and thank you for your work. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure, and I am thankful that I still get to do it after all these years. Our guest today has been writer, actor, director, and monologist Kurt Cloninger. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Theater from Abilene Christian University and received further acting training at Pacific Conservatory. For more than 30 years, he's made his living as a traveling performer. Much of his work has been in the form of one-person shows, monologues with specifically Christian themes. If you're interested in his work, you can find out more at his website, kurtkloninger.com, and of course at our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Today's show was recorded at WBEZ at their Navy Pier Studios overlooking Lake Michigan. WBEZ is not responsible for the content of this program. Additional production for this week took place at the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club here in the Chicago Loop. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keeja. Mary Gaffney engineered the show. Kim Tron and David Dalt did the editing. Our staff includes Travis Abels, David J. Dunn, Natasha Alford, and Alexander Badenock. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Not Seen Radio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about upcoming guests. That's facebook.com slash thingsnotseenradio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and learn more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.